1: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision.
0: Have you ever felt a certain nervousness or an awkwardness when you know that there may be a window of opportunity to tell a friend or a colleague about Jesus? Where does that awkwardness come from? Is it that in that moment we're flooded by doubts about our own faith? Is it that we're not confident with answers to maybe some hard questions that people might ask? Or is it because if you say something religious, uh, we think we'll get a negative reaction from those who think we're not being politically correct? Well, a conversation today with the author of a book called How to Talk About Jesus without being that guy sam chan describes himself as a cultural analyst he's also known as the espresso theologian and he's a public speaker for the city bible forum he has a phd in theology and he's also a medical doctor he was born in Hong Kong, but grew up in Australia. Let's talk about his latest book, which is also on the short list for this year's Australian Christian Book of the Year Awards. That'll be announced on the 2nd of September. But Sam Chan, a special welcome along
2: to 2020. Oh, Thanks, Neil. Thanks so much for having me here.
0: Sam, always love our conversations. Let's talk about this sort of awkwardness and your book, How to Talk About Jesus Without Being That Guy. We might start with the idea of, you know, who is that guy? Are you in the picture here, in the story that you're telling in
2: your book? Yeah, definitely. Well, there's this idea that if we even try to bring up Jesus in any conversation, we become that guy. And I knew I sort of touched a cultural nerve because I presented this talk in the USA how to talk about Jesus without being that guy. And a completely filled a room. It was like over 250 people standing room only. And in the USA, they have this annual tradition like a Thanksgiving dinner, a bit like our Christmas dinner, where you have to invite all your extended relatives. And it's everyone's greatest fear that they had to sit next to that uncle who will try to tell them about Jesus. I think that's our fear too. The instant we try to tell our friends and family about Jesus, we become that dreaded uncle at the Thanksgiving dinner trying to talk about Jesus.
0: Interesting when you talk about that uncle, because isn't it amazing how reputations spread? And just like that uncle in the family, you become that uncle in the workplace or that uncle in the club that you're a part of. Is is that the way you might sort of describe the way your reputation as a Christian sort of follows you around and that can create that sort of awkwardness?
2: You know, I think more of it is in our heads and in our fears and in reality The amazing thing is in the USA, there's this group called Barna.com, similar to MacRindle Research in Australia, and they collect all these statistics on faith and Christians and non-Christians, and they found out the average non-believer, they have a problem with Christianity, the abstract idea of Christianity, but they actually have no idea what Christianity is about, and they have no problem, but they have no problem with the Christian friend in their life. And they actually said the non-believer would prefer to hear about Christianity from a friend in a one-to-one conversation. So I think a lot of the fear is in our own minds and it's probably more perceived than real. So as we're talking about
0: being awkward, it may actually reinforce people feeling a little bit awkward, but what you're saying is uh, don't feel awkward because it may all be maybe in our own minds. Is there a bit of a, some might even say a bit of a stronghold uh, that has a hold of us that says people don't want to hear about Jesus uh, right now, but uh, you're saying actually people are quite happy to?
2: Yeah, I think so. and. Again, touching on the cultural nerve, I work one or two days a week as a medical doctor in the hospitals, and what I'm finding, I'm working in the, in the same hospital for 10 or 15 years, I am still discovering that other doctors, other nurses, Uh, Christians, we just haven't outed ourselves to each other. We're afraid of other Christians, let alone just non-believers finding out that we might be Christians. And again, it's this cultural feeling that uh, there's this real us versus them, we're the bad guys, it's hostile. But again, Barna.com says people have, maybe they might have a problem with the idea of Christianity, but once they meet a real live Christian friend, they have no problem with that Christian friend. I guess so
0: many will reflect on the fact that, you know, just a generation or two ago, everybody was just considered to be Christian. And so it was easy to talk about Jesus in a conversation uh, in those decades gone by. But you describe a post-Christendom world and it sort of reinforces this idea that hey times are changing things are not always today what they used to be how do you describe the current changes that are that are making it this little bit of awkwardness come about
2: yeah the way I explain it in the book is I'm actually old enough that I was at Billy Graham's last crusade in Sydney in 1979. So I heard Billy at Randwick Racecourse in Sydney and it was Billy at his best. He gave the 20 minute Bible talk. He gave the appeal at the end. He said, hey, if you prayed the prayer, come down the front. At that moment, the choir gets up, they sing Just As I Am over and over again. And Billy gives that famous line where he says, the buses will wait, meaning come down the front. The bus you came on, they will wait for you. Do not worry, come down the front. And at that moment, we roll our eyes, saying, oh, that's just Billy at his best. But then I thought about, hang on, that meant the average non-believer who came that night to hear Billy came on a church bus. So back then, the non-believer was a churched non-believer. So Billy's basically telling them something that they've heard a 100 times before. He's basically saying, hey, come on, You know this is true, don't you think it's time you actually believed it? So Billy was asking them to believe something that they already knew. And I thought, yeah, I remember when I used to go to church like 30, 40 years ago as a boy in Sunday school, over half the class in Sunday school were non-believing children from non-believing parents. It's just something non-believers did back then. They sent their kids to Sunday school on a Sunday morning for childcare and also so that the parents could sleep in on a Sunday. I also remember the church soccer team, over half the team were non-believers. And then the Friday night boys brigade, 90% were non-believers. Your school scripture class, 90% would have been non-believing kids who just ticked the box that they would attend scripture. So that meant the non-believer back then was very churched and they came from a church community so then when Billy gives his 20 minute Bible talk it's not coming in a vacuum it's coming in a context of a believing community they've come on a church bus where 90% of the people on the bus are already believers they've already been in a church soccer team they've done a Friday night you know youth group Uh, they've been to Sunday school so they're hearing something for the thousandth time now when we try to tell our friends about Jesus They don't belong in a believing community. We're probably the only Christian they know. They've never heard this story before. And we are just feeling this this is the weirdest thing they're they're gonna hear. I'm gonna tell them that Jesus is a son of God. He he was born of a virgin, he died on a cross, but he rose again and he's alive right now. And we too will rise from the dead. And at that moment, this is so foreign. It's wonderful, it's beautiful, it's true but to our non-believing friend, this is just something awkward, weird, and puzzling, and bizarre. And I think that's the awkwardness we're feeling. Is there a
0: way here you can make sense of this by separating the idea that the good news, the message of the gospel, even this proclamation of what we're called to be as Christian believers, actually you can separate that a little bit because it's good news in no matter what context, but separating that a little bit from some of the things that you know we stand for ethically and uh, we don't uh, fall away from uh, those things that we stand for, but they're the things that are coming into more and more contrast uh, with sort of modern ideas. And so when people are talking about you as a Christian or in that conversation, uh, they might think that you're proclaiming something that's offensive or inappropriate or insensitive. Is there, is there some way you can sort of separate some of the ethical positions that we carry as christian believers with this good
2: news that everyone needs to hear yeah i think so in my book i say you know we've entered a culture wars era us versus them and it's almost like our christian faith has become a tribal badge marker uh, for some of our cultural views uh, and, and I say we should try to separate them so that our non-believing friend doesn't conflate our faith views with maybe our political views or our cultural views. In the same way, it, well just um, because it's unhelpful. It might be helpful for us, but they have unnecessarily misunderstood what we believe. And the analogy I give is many years ago, I was on a bus in East Africa and a Muslim man sat next to me and he asked me straight up front, first question, are you a Christian? And I felt like I had to say yes. You know, I had to stand up for Jesus, be proud of Jesus, own Jesus. So I said, yes, I'm a Christian. And for the next 16 hours on that bus trip, this man deliberately made my life miserable. He crowded me, he changed smoke, he blew the smoke in my face, uh, because he saw me as the enemy. It was us versus them. And then I told my missionary friends this story and they said, well, when he said, are you a Christian, you shouldn't have said yes immediately because his view of what a Christian is is probably a misunderstanding, it's a wrong view. So you should have responded with a question, well, tell me more, what do you mean by Christian? And let him you know, take over the conversation. And maybe when our friends find out we're a Christian, what we can do is say, well, tell me, what do you think I mean, when I say I'm a Christian, what do you think I believe? And then let them begin the conversation.
0: What you're talking about here is being a little more clever in the conversation so that you're not putting yourself in the firing line and uh, this idea of asking questions is this one of those simple but very practical ways that you can actually build confidence by simply learning how to turn a question back so that you're actually getting a little bit more detail about
2: what a person really thinks Ah, yes neil for sure so in my book on how to talk about jesus without becoming that guy a big part of how not to be that guy is to ask questions first And let our friend talk and I've been turning up to evangelism conferences and seems like worldwide most evangelists are discovering and saying the same thing they're saying that Jesus in the Bible asked over well he asked about 300 questions Jesus himself was asked about 200 questions but he only responded directly to a question eight times he usually responded with Another question. So, for example, when they ask Jesus, by what authority do you do these things? Jesus replies with a question, I don't know. By what authority does John the Baptist do his things? Uh, And then when they ask him, should we pay taxes? Jesus says, Oh, I don't know. Show me a coin. Whose head do you see on this coin? And again, we can tell our friends about Jesus through the art of asking questions. And in my book, I I say there are many sorts of questions. They're nudge questions, and nudge questions sort of nudge the conversation from superficial interest layers of conversations into value and worldview type conversations. So an example would be, we begin with small talk and small talk is not a bad thing. Small talk is a good thing. Small talk is a social lubricant. Small talk shows we care. It's just a, a way we function in conversation. So then we can ask, well, what did you do on the weekend? That's small talk. They might say, well, this is pre COVID. You know, I, well, even COVID, we could say, they'd say, I went for a walk. And then we can say, oh, why? What do you like about walking? So it's a a nudge question. And then they'll have to review some sort of value system. Well, I like walking because it keeps me healthy. And then we say, oh, wow, tell me more. What is about health that's important to you? And to answer that, they might have to have a worldview conversation. They might say something like, wow, you only live once. You've only got one life, so you've got to make the most of what you have. And then at that stage, all we have to do is say, tell me more. I work as a doctor, and we make fun of psychiatrists. We say, you know, to be a psychiatrist, you only have to learn two questions. How are you going, and how are you really going? And it's the power of the second question. It gives people permission to talk more, be a little bit more vulnerable, and push the conversation to deeper, more meaningful Layers. So instead of rushing to think, okay, how can I bring up Jesus in this conversation? We can simply ask questions like, what did you do on the weekend? Uh, Tell me more about how you were raised. What religion did your parents raise you with? What was that like? What do your parents believe? What do you believe? Or we could say, tell me more. Tell me about your faith life. Do you have a faith? Do you pray? Who do you pray to? What do you pray for? And i found more and more that if we begin with those sorts of conversations, people, you know, if they're our friends, they're actually really glad we brought this up because this is something that's the deepest, most meaningful part of us. And we rarely get a time to pause, be in the moment, and talk about these things in our life. So by giving our friends permission to talk about faith, values, and worldviews, sooner or later they will ask they will give us permission to talk about our faith
0: and we all know how we feel when someone is interested in our opinion and our point of view so why wouldn't the people that we are talking to also respond in that same way tell me more well that's going to be one of those little keys little gems that we might take from this conversation today tell me more and how are you really going This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a
1: biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision.
0: Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316, and you can respond to that Facebook question, Have you ever felt reluctant or nervous? Talking about Jesus with family and friends and how do you build confidence? Sam Chan is our guest. His book is called How to Talk About Jesus Without Being That Guy. And Sam, I know you love to talk about having answers to the sorts of questions people have. But sometimes, can't that be the sort of thing that can actually make us more nervous because we feel like we don't have all the answers? A little reflection you've got there in your book uh, around the idea of following Christ and you say, like a man walking unconcerned through a minefield, eyes on the goal urging us to join him on the mission rather than debate methods of bomb disposal. <laughs> is that is that a way you can sort of say, well, I don't need to have the answers to every question here. I've got my eyes on
2: following Jesus and I've got a message to deliver. Totally. And I remember that it actually comes from a book review by Nathan Campbell, who's a pastor in Brisbane. And what he was saying was what he loved about the book was in the end, it's just about – trying to tell our friends about Jesus, and that my book was seemingly naively, obliviously unaware of all the theological debates that are going on in the background on what words you should say, what method you should use, what tracks you can not or can't use, whereas my book was just say, like, just do it, you know, just do it, be the best you can be, be kind to yourself, and God will use us no matter how frail fallible we are. And I love that verse in Corinthians, where Paul says we're jars of clay, meaning we're ordinary, we're mundane, And God uses us, not despite how ordinary we are, but he uses us because of how ordinary, mundane, and seemingly incompetent and unconfident that we feel.
0: You know, when we talk about uh, mission and our own dedication to following Christ, uh, you're encouraging this idea of not being casual, but actually, having the mission in mind—not uh, just a hobby on the side—but if you're a Christian, you're a you're a full-blown Christian, and in some sense, here that's going to help overcome some of the awkwardness. What are your thoughts here?
2: Yeah, and I think at three levels, we deep down we do want to tell our friends about Jesus because we have God's Spirit in us, which is just groaning to tell people about Jesus. Uh, we also have the command from Jesus to make disciples of all nations and also if we want to change as well to be better uh, we we need more and more people to 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 hear about jesus to know and love and worship jesus as well
0: When you said the idea, you know, talking about psychiatrists, uh, are you okay? And the next question, are you really okay? There is a sense, isn't there, that the gospel has never lost its power and never lost its usefulness and never lost its necessity. And there is a sense that people are trapped in the grip of sinfulness. And uh, for a lot of people, when they hear the gospel, this is just what they need to hear. That's why people respond to the gospel, isn't it?
2: Oh, for sure. Uh, it just touches everyone at, at every level. So one of my quick ways of telling my friends about Jesus at work is say, like, how are you going? How are you really going? And then they share, oh, you know, so actually, I'm not going okay, or the kids are getting bullied at school. And I quickly go, oh, that's horrible. Yeah, uh, And then I rephrase what they've said, oh, you're just worried your kid's going to fall behind. And they go, yes, that is exactly it. And then I say, my wife my kids, we pray every night for our friends, can we pray for you tonight? And 100% of the time they say, oh, that would be wonderful, please, could you? And just by doing that, I brought in Jesus into the conversation, prayer and the sacred into the conversation and giving them permission to stay there if they want to. And also next week I can bring it back up again. You know, hey, we did pray for you the other night, how are things going with you at work, at home or at school?
0: Let's take a quick call, and we're not long out from news, but let's hear from Wayne in Mackay in Queensland. Hi, Wayne. Welcome. Hey,
1: how are you, mate?
0: Very well, Wayne.
1: Yeah, mate. Uh, very, very interesting uh, subject we're talking about there, mate. But before I go out any day, the, the first thing I do is spend time with the Lord, and I'll ask him to use me. I make myself available, and um, and as, as he brings me across the paths so of people like I'll just become a friend with them and um, whatever time that takes, everybody's different and I believe that God will open the doors of opportunity there because he, he says, you know, not to meditate on what you have to say for I'll put my words in your mouth and I believe I just trust in God and many opportunities come my way and, and um, yeah, I get the opportunity to speak to people and and um, and, and just, yeah, ask them questions you know, where do you come from and whatever them areas may be and just become a friend with them and maybe go to the pool and do swimming with them or or uh, go and have lunch with them somewhere. and Wayne, yeah, just all- what
0: an absolutely wonderful insight. And uh, we may talk about that some more after the news. About to go to the news, so I won't be able to hear from Sam on that, but I know we'll be talking a little bit more about this idea of friendship As our conversation continues, Sam Chan describes himself as a cultural analyst. He's also known as the espresso theologian. He's also a public speaker for City Bible Forum. He has a PhD in theology. He's also a medical doctor. He was born in Hong Kong, grew up in Australia, and we're talking about his book, which is nominated and shortlisted for this year's Australian Christian Book of the Year Awards, and so, Sam. Before we take this any further, uh, quite a privilege to be on that short list, isn't it? Second uh, of September, they're going to make the announcement. You'll be on the edge of your seat.
2: Oh, for sure. Like you, you feel like an absolute imposter to even be on that list. Like there are a lot of smart people, with a lot of very good books on that list.
0: But I might say the book we're talking about today, it's also an award-winning book. You were the winner of Outreach Magazine's Annual Top Resource Award for this year. That's a bit of a privilege too, isn't it?
2: Oh, yeah, that was an absolute privilege and honour, definitely.
0: We're taking calls 1-800-316-316 You might have a question You might have a comment You might have a critique About the sorts of things We're talking about today 1-800-316-316 You can also respond On our question on Facebook Have you ever felt reluctant Or nervous Talking about Jesus With friends and family How do you build confidence Facebook.com forward slash Vision Radio. Sam, let's take another call. Nick is in St Albans in Victoria. Hello, Nick. Welcome along.
3: Thank you, Neil. Uh, I'm just waiting for you and I'm listening to you comments. I'm <coughs> sorry. Victoria is very cold, you know. Okay, um, yes. The, thing, the point is uh, you I, I'm to you. I always try to be relaxed when I talk to people and polite <laughs> it's not easy, you know, someone on the street or in aeroplane or in in the bus, and, and to talk about Jesus, our Savior. And uh, but it's possible. So I'm approaching to these uh, people, uh, for example, uh, in aeroplane, and uh, I talked to American lady, uh, very nice, very polite about the situation in the world. And that's how I start my conversation with people. What do you think about what's happening in the world today?
0: <coughs> and so uh, asking people's opinion, but what, a, I, what caught my imagination as you're sharing that little bit there, Nick? The idea of being relaxed and of being polite. Uh, let's bring Sam in. Sam, your thoughts for Nick and the way that he shares his faith?
2: Oh, definitely. Uh, I, I've got friends who are amazing at telling people about Jesus and they say it's exactly like it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy if you're relaxed you will relax the other person and if you're comfortable talking about matters of faith they too will be comfortable talking about matters of faith and it's interesting how we're talking about talking to people on planes and trains and it's, it's amazing how easy it is to talk to a stranger because they know they're not going to see you again, you're not going to see them again. So that almost gives you permission to talk about deep matters because where there might be areas of disagreement, but that doesn't matter because we're not going to see each other again. So ironically, the less you know someone, the more you can talk to that person about Jesus.
0: Well, Nick, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line open one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen, 316 316 and you can respond to that Facebook comment as well. Uh, just talk about strangers for a moment here because you're saying it's easier to talk to strangers sometimes than it is your friends and family. And uh, what are your thoughts here if we enlarge on that a little, Sam?
2: Yeah, so in my book and I and on how to talk about Jesus without being that guy, I do mention how once upon a time, if you went to a Bible college and you took a class on evangelism, chances are you got taught two things. One, how to give. An evangelistic talk at a church event or two how to walk up to a stranger on a university campus or on a train or plane and tell them about jesus so surprisingly those are two easy ways because sort of we're in control we sort of um had planned it and it stays very polite one when you're giving the talk you are monologuing so that's a very easy way to talk about jesus but to the stranger on a plane again as i said before we're allowed to disagree in a very friendly way because we're not going to see each other again. So it's almost like because of that, that gives us both permission to talk about a lot of things very quickly, very deeply, and thank each other afterwards. And I did notice with most evangelists, when they write their books, their conversations, or their stories about where they got to tell someone about Jesus uh, was On a train or plane to a stranger it is rare to be able to tell your friends and family about Jesus and that's why I wrote this book how to talk about Jesus without being that guy because I want to touch that third space well how do we talk about Jesus with friends and family who we're going to see over and over again and maybe they've already heard it once from us before or a hundred times before so what can we say this time uh, that will be any different from last time and this
0: idea, when you're talking to friends uh, or strangers, the idea of listening—that's uh, an important element. So, one uh, 316 uh, to join in our conversation. Let's take another call. Abraham is in Fairfield West in Sydney. Hello, Abraham. Welcome.
4: Hello there. How are you?
0: Good, and I no doubt you're uh, in a pretty heavy lockdown where you are. Uh, just uh, most definitely, Abraham. What are your thoughts for our conversation today?
4: Um, I I quite enjoy it because um, I can relate to uh, Sam himself because you know I use the topic of fishes of men because how why I use this topic is is I used to have a trolley collecting business for a shopping centre where I where I used to live and I utilized that car park of listening to people saying hello and, you know, you have that wonderful attitude. If you see people friendly to you um, and you just use utilize what you have and, and using God to use me to get to people. And all I do is once I say hello and I just say, look, do you mind if I just quickly pray for you? I'm, I'm a bit busy. And from a prayer, it leads to tell they're telling me their problems. And, you know, the testimonies that I share with people, I utilise that opportunity and from 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 a prayer to someone's problem to a testimony and then they come back and see me after two or three days and I say, said, Look, just want to thank you. I said, What do you want to thank me for? So oh, you've changed our situations. Look, don't thank me, thank the Lord. He's done it all. He used me to get to you to say a prayer and one thing led to another and and that's how I utilise what I do, and it's
0: wonderful. Abraham, that is just outstanding. The idea of saying a prayer for someone uh, when they're going through a challenging time opens up a whole big dimension to understanding the uh, opportunity to to be able to share the gospel. Sam, your thoughts for Abraham?
2: I love what Abraham is saying, and Abraham, greetings. I'm coming from the Canary uh, Bankstown local area. I too am in lockdown, and we're neighbours. In lockdown right no, now bullshit. yeah and I say in my book I say we can learn two models of evangelism we need to learn to evangelize evangelize like counselors because counselors they ask questions and they lead you to the answer but you sort of discover it yourself through the questions from the counselor but secondly we need to learn to evangelize like chaplains and what chaplains do is what Abraham's doing we've become the de facto unofficial chaplain to that person and we do it by understanding, listening to care, showing genuine curiosity about their lives and then offering to pray. And it's amazing, Uh, we we think the world is hostile to Christianity, it is not. Right now, if you mention prayer, everyone wants to be prayed for, it's 100%. And I'm gonna go out on a limb here In the Old Testament, where people had a whole variety of worldviews and gods to choose from, God's two claims were these. I'm the one true God because I'm the God who speaks and I'm the God who answers prayer. And we can show that to our non-believing friends that we have the God who speaks, he speaks to us in the Bible, and we also have the God who answers prayer and it seems like to non believers God reaches out even more and he answers these prayers that we offer for, to our non believing friends and then it allows us like Abraham does to check in on them one week later and to say hey you know how, how did you go i did pray for you and they will say it's amazing the prayer was answered then I introduce the word miracle. I say, it is a miracle. And they will say, yes, it is. It is a miracle. And then, and then and, you know, it's a chance encounter, but if we see them again, then I say, hey, would you like to know the God who answers your prayer? And then take it from there. And my missionary friends in Taiwan, they love the story of Jesus and the 10 lepers. Uh, this way you offer, say, hey, would you like to hear a story about Jesus who answers your prayer? And i tell them the story of jesus and the ten lepers because ten lepers cry out to jesus to be healed to be blessed to have a miracle and jesus actually gives them all the healing the miracle but only one comes back to know love and worship jesus and that's why i say to my friends hey you got the miracle you got the blessing you got the healing but Just like the lepers, you can wander away now and never know Jesus again, or you come back now and know, love, and worship Jesus. Wonderful stuff, Abraham. You're
0: outstanding. What a a great ministry you've got there. And uh, just to reflect on what Sam was saying, it's a little bit like you've become a chaplain to the people that you're working with. So, uh, Abraham, well done.
4: I'm just a follower of Christ. That's all I am.
0: It's good stuff. Abraham, you keep doing what you're doing. Thank you for your call today on 2020. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. This idea of chaplains and sporting clubs and places of work all around the country actually really love and appreciate their chaplain. And uh, chaplains have got a really high regard. And so when you become like a chaplain to your friendship group, a uh, chaplain to your workplace, uh, you don't have to be officially wearing some sort of a badge here, Sam, but, but you like to use this expression, be the unofficial chaplain.
2: That's right. Uh become the unofficial de facto chaplain in their lives. And we simply do it by doing what chaplains do. We, we genuinely care. My chaplain friends say, what well, this is is genuine curiosity. And I'll give you an example. I have a friend, she's a lawyer. She's worked at the same place for 10 years. She said her partners will, will have never once asked her the names of her children or what she did for the holidays. And then she says, but they will tell you the names of their children and what they did for the holidays, but they won't ask you. And she says, why? Because they do not care. And so all we have to do is ask questions to show genuine curiosity where we just want to care. We do want to know, hey, how many children do you have? What are their names? Why did you name them? When I'm work, I love asking people about their tattoos. Tell me, what was your first tattoo? What was its meaning? What tattoo are you planning on getting next? What did you do on the holidays? How did that go? Who came, like, uh, and why why do you love going to that place? So ask questions. And listen to understand. They say home is where you're understood. So we're offering people a home away from home. And maybe people aren't even understood at home. So we're actually offering them a genuine home, somewhere where they can talk, be heard, understood, be cared for. And that's where we offer to pray. We say, Hey, I've heard what you said. From what I understand, this is happening. Can I please? pray for you. And I found people at work now actually come to me with with their prayer requests. So somehow you do get known as the unofficial de facto chaplain.
0: Our Facebook question today asks, have you ever felt reluctant or nervous talking about Jesus with friends and family? And how do you build confidence? Wonderful wisdom coming through in our conversation today on Facebook. Claudia responded and a little bit negative. She says, if you talk about Jesus or God, people go away. And I can't help but thinking that sort of fits in a little bit here because if you have this negative perception, it may be because you're not perceived in your friendship group or in your workplace as being the person who cares. This idea of, you know, love one another as I have loved you, that sort of comes through and uh, you've got to have that compassion for people for your testimony and for your presentation of the gospel to work. Thoughts here, Sam, for, uh, for that sort of idea, you know, if you talk about Jesus, people
2: go away. Yes, that's right. And and Claudia's experience is I guess quite universal. My chaplain friends would say, at that moment, ask a question, say, Oh, you you seem angry or you seem offended. Tell me more. And then let them let them share and, and take take it from there. I, I remember one of my surgeons was highly offended that the local church had done a letter drop for christmas carols because he wasn't a christian he hated christianity hated the church so he he vented on me why would the local church tell me about their carols how dare they put something in my letterbox and my chaplain friend said you should have just asked him oh you seem angry tell me more and take it from there
0: wonderful stuff wayne called in and said be obedient And allow yourself to be used by God. I think the focus there is on being obedient to God because sometimes... Uh, we can be in a place where we've been discouraged because we've been knocked back or rejected or uh, someone said something to us and uh, and and somehow rather we can tend to hold back a little bit but there is a certain sense which obedience actually uh, if we're deciding to be obedient to God that in insel- itself is a uh, is a motivational factor isn't it Sam?
2: Oh yeah it's definitely a motivational factor and we can go negative and talk about how jesus has that verse says you know whoever disowns me i too would disown but we flip around and make it positive jesus basically saying hey i'm proud to own you you too can be proud to own me so in the same way jesus proudly owns us before the father we can be proud to own jesus but at the same time you know not all workplaces are the same so i'm hearing and understanding where claudia is coming from when Jesus says, I will give you words to say in the book of Luke, he also says, I will give you wisdom and words. So not just what to say, but how to say them. And I love how in Proverbs it says, sometimes we do answer someone and sometimes we don't answer someone. So sometimes wisdom determines how much we speak, how much we don't speak. And I also like to think of the parable of the talents, how the faithful servants, some were given five talents three talents or maybe only one talent so i like to ask myself in those moments is this a one talent moment a three talent moment or a five talent moment what is god giving me here right now in terms of of what I can say and what should I say to my friends.
0: Let's come back to another strategy, uh, the idea of being a little bit relaxed because, as you said, you know, sometimes you're just too quick to jump in and try and unload everything. But you've got a little strategy in your book, Sam, the coffee, dinner, gospel strategy. How does that one work? Uh, because that's not an instant uh, unload everything in the first conversation type of idea, is it?
2: Yeah, the analogy I give is, is it's like washing the dishes. When you see the pile of dishes, it's too big, it's overwhelming, but my wife would say, break it down into the bite sized concrete steps. Here, begin with a fork, now a cup, and bang, 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 the dishes are done. How do I tell my friends about Jesus? It's too big, it's too overwhelming, where do I begin? Well, I say, just break it down into steps. It's coffee, dinner, gospel just begin with coffee coffee is a safe invitation it's 10 minutes it's public space you're just going to talk about the weather the weekend and the sport but it's enough to build some rapport some trust uh, some credibility so the next time you try a bigger invitation a meal like a lunch or a dinner and that's a big invitation because now it's private space It's one or two hours, and the conversations change over food and private space. Now you're going to move beyond the weather, the weekend, the sport. You're going to talk about values, worldviews, and matters of faith. And just by asking questions like, tell me about your faith. Do you pray? How did your parents raise you? It's really safe questions because they don't have to reveal much about their faith yet. But you can ask them about what religion did your parents have, uh, and what was that like? and then see if they gradually give us gospel opportunities, and then we can now tell them about Jesus.
0: Let's take one more call. Anastasia is in Schofield in Sydney. Hello, Anastasia. Welcome.
4: Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: What are your thoughts? Um,
4: I have a question. I'm actually reading Sam Chan's book at the moment, absolutely loving
0: it, but how do we evangelise during lockdown? How do we love our non-Christian friends and family? the best when we when we can't see them
2: sam your thoughts for yes. Anastasia? many thoughts So, coffee dinner gospel is really just saying we need to find creative ways to do hospitality so it could be and i know we're all sick of zoom but it could be simple as zooming in at 5 p.m and say hey let's do a coffee or a drink together and then just asking the question how are you going how are you really going it could be like order a delivery meal and just send it over to them. Like suddenly they're surprised by a pizza turning up their door and then you ring them up, say, hey, did you get the pizza? And then you can have a conversation. Hey, how are you going? How are you really going? Hey, can I please pray for you? Or we're still allowed outside. I'm in a lockdown area, but we're still allowed outside for exercise. So I'm actually in pairs. So I'm still doing a morning walk with my neighbor and and then offering to pray for him afterwards. So I think we can find creative ways to do it and maybe small actions go further during lockdown.
0: Anastasia, thank you so much for your call. And we will put a line under any calls there, but I think... I might be impressed and lots of people would if uh, a pizza was arriving at my door if I'm in lockdown because uh, what a great illustration that is, Sam, because the idea of being creative about how you can still have an impact with your neighbours even though you can't actually invite them around. Hey, let's uh, draw a loose end or two together. Sometimes we might think of sharing our faith, uh, bringing the gospel as something of an optional extra. This is not really an optional extra. This involves all of us as believers, doesn't it? But what you're sharing today, Sam, is just amazing. Uh, and just to reflect on 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 12, uh, the idea of Peter writing, "'Live such good lives among the pagans "'that though they accuse you of doing wrong, "'they may see your good deeds and glorify God.'" on the day he visits us. Uh, you talk about Peter and speaking of a radiant church, attractive to people, not what we're sort of seeing now where the church is looking unattractive. We've got to work hard at this, haven't we, Sam? Yeah, and
2: we can look for points of agreement. So, oh, I again, we... So, so to some of my more, I guess, non-believing friends, we have common ground, like we believe in human rights, we believe in freedom, we believe in love, we believe in justice. So I often like to say to them, well, where do you think these things come from? You know, like uh, uh, it doesn't come from atoms and molecules, it comes because it's a loving, just, fair God. That's why we believe in human rights, equality, dignity, justice, justice and mercy.
0: Wonderful stuff and Sam uh, we're going to say we've got to tie things up here but uh, back to your book How to Talk About Jesus without being that guy uh, no doubt it's actually going really well. It is shortlisted for this year's Australian Christian Book of the Year awards. It's not the only book you've written. Uh, you've written another one called Evangelism in a Skeptical World and some people talk about your latest one as being a little bit like a sequel I didn't get to talk to you about that but I'll just assume that's the case and And Preaching as the Word of God, uh, another one of your books. But I want to just uh, touch on uh, City Bible Forum. You're a speaker for City Bible Forum. There are City Bible Forum hubs in capital cities all over Australia. Uh, What's the good thing about connecting with what's happening in your CBD when you're not in lockdown or what City Bible Forum might be doing uh, by way of Zoom and that sort of thing? But how can people uh, connect with City Bible Forum in this time?
2: just go to citybibleforum.org and look at what's on, what's coming up. And we've got a lot of exciting stuff. And even in the search thing, just search my name, Sam Chan, and you'll find a lot of talks that I've given with City Bible Forum. Wonderful stuff. And Sam, the book, How
0: to Talk About Jesus Without Being That Guy, simply Google that. You'll find it online. No doubt you'll find a link there at citybibleforum.org. Sam, is there a special sam chan website that people can go to as well?
2: Uh there's espresso theology.com. That's my that, that's that's my website. I blog there and you, and you can find links to my talks and videos as well.
0: espresso theology.com. Uh, Dr. Sam Chan. Uh Sam, just great getting your insights. Thank you so much for taking some time and sharing these thoughts with us today on 2020.
2: Thanks Neil, thanks so much for having me.